hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Always Foolish, a positive Doctor Who podcast. This is episode four, um, as you can see from looking at our Spotify feed and discovering ah. that we've put out around nine episodes <laughs> at this point. And we will be looking this week at uh, an episode from series four that I've been quite excited to talk about. We are looking, of course, at The Doctor's Terrible Daughter. Terrible Midnight. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're looking at Midnight, a famous bad no episode. No one likes it. So I was, as I was about to do with the introduction, uh, my, my name is Tom, I am one of your co-hosts, and I have another co-host, because it's a co-sort of thing, and he is... <laughs> we share this, and it's me, and it's David, is my name. I we can make this more awkward like if that Every time we share this, and it's me, <laughs> we share this. and it's David, This is our child. <laughs> we were forced to adopt it due to a blood oath. Yeah. Committed with Groganov. Really, really, they should just stop you from doing these things at uni, but yeah. here we are. Yog Groganov, who we pray to, of course. Uh, ironically, he looks like a weird fish guy in a kind of like combat fatigues that communicates with bubbling, entirely by coincidence for the fact of yeah. the and human la- characters. Yeah, and in-, in the last episode, he looked like a um, man with uh, appendages <laughs> coming out of his head, shall we say? He looked like a delicious, um, delicious calamari dish that had been dropped yeah. onto a man from a 13th floor window. Well, from the top of the Empire State Building, I guess. That was their plan, right? Oh, I should also say, if uh, to those people who are listening to this, we are temporarily, uh, at least, coming back to the actual uh, episodes that we do on this now, but I'm sure that you will be hearing more from us about other episodes coming out of the yes. We will be doing an episode on Church on Ruby Road at some stage. Yeah, we got to do that. And also, um, I've actually recorded a mini episode about the Torchwood audio dramas, which is, is done. There's also a video version of it, and I just need to edit it, and that'll be going mm-hmm. out pretty soon. We've got the main series coming up, which we won't, we won't say what the next episode of this is going to be until the end, because yep. it is a doozy for next time. But do you know what? We're it handling a doozy today the doctor's daughter which is the first in the currently only duology of the trilogy of the doctor's daughter the doctor's wife and i don't know well, the, the doctor's, doctor's cousin the doctor's mother would be the obvious next oh i don't want to do kind of moving moving up generations and we, well we will be doing the end of time at some point <laughs> the so doctor's... if you believe russell or, or alternatively we'll be doing the timeless children at some point which is about tectoon i mean in many regards isn't tectoon all of our mothers no uh, no, not mine. Not mine either. But if Tectayun is your mother, write into us. Yeah, and then when we don't get any, we'll assume that Tectayun has no kids. Tectayun is barren. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag hashtag Tectayun is barren. Chibnall. Yeah, let's make yeah, let's make this viral. I didn't read the actual interview. I just saw a headline, so it could be bollocks. But I saw a quote that was like, someone asked Chris Chibnall what he thinks of people who don't like his era, and he said they should get a life, which. I, I could only assume he meant about people that were, like, abusive online and not just anyone yeah. that didn't like my era. <laughs> I, I would uh, say that if Ch- if Chibnall had said that in that sense, if he had said, like, anyone who doesn't like my era should get a life, that would be the funniest thing Chris Chibnall had ever done or would ever do. And I would respect him It's the him funniest thing Chris it. Chibnall's ever written. And the yeah. most dramatic. Well, I don't know. There was that joke about the Wi-Fi and resolution. I love the Wi-Fi. And when it goes, I'm sad and I can't talk to my family. Yeah. Because we're Wi-Fi powered. Yeah, we all are. You know um, Bells of St. John? Yes, which is what I was thinking about. 
Well, Always. I was going to say a slightly different thing to whatever you were going to say. I was going to say that they should have actually called that, titled that episode The Doctor's Wi-Fi. <laughs> that is strong. Thank Can you. I suggest yeah. that they call it literally anything other than The Bells of St. John, which I would argue is I only like, relevant really to the like first... I really like the name The Bells of St. John. I, I do, in an episode where it's relevant that there are Bells of St. John instead of the first 22 seconds. I don't care whether a title is relevant or not. And I think that's something that we'll be discussing in this episode. The Doctor's Daughter. About a person that I'm going to nail my colour to the mask right away. In no sense is Jenny the Doctor's daughter. But Jenny that is, is not, the Doctor's... That is, Jenny no, is the Doctor's No, she isn't. She is. She's the Doctor's I'm a clone. biologist. No, because the genes yes. have been remixed in a way that doesn't actually work with how science works. But in the way that the episode tells it, <laughs> the genes have been remixed. And that's effectively like gametes being produced so she is effectively yeah, the doctor's yeah, but david, daughter david the way that the episode tells it a fish can drown don't expect doctor who to have real science no i don't believe me i don't um the most scientifically grounded of any of the episodes that tom examined thus far and this has been the unquiet dead and that has gas ghosts and yeah i mean you're right about that i would argue that we discussed this last week didn't we? didn't why didn't we the daleks in manhattan is a very literal Correct title. Evolution of the Daleks, more debatable. Um, What I I would like to say, though, is I really don't like you taking aim like this at vulnerable aphid family structures. This is... (laughs) <laughs> this is deeply offensive, right? Because as we, as Tom knows, because he's already laughing, aphids, many aphids, produced by parthenogenesis, which means that they uh, they don't need males. It the means they can only can, give birth when they're on holiday to Athens. Can duplicate. Sites, so. I'm, I'm deliberately avoiding the word clone. The females yeah. can... Um, yes, they, and they go on holiday to Greece, yes. Um, yeah, how are we, yeah, we going to say the, it? The, the females spontaneously produce twins of themselves. Let's, let's but, say and, that, And they're we? actually born pregnant sometimes as well. But what I would say is, notice the word pregnant. They are giving birth, and in many ways, isn't that big machine simply the doctor's womb? If you think about it... <laughs> It brings I mean, us back to that. You can see that. a lot more of it than you normally would expect to be able to. <laughs> That's for what... something like that. I go so not... far as to say, in fact, that David, I go so far as to say that right. that makes it a womb with a view. <laughs> Shall we get started summarising the Doctor's daughter? I think we should. Yeah. So, David, do you want to take us through yeah. what basically happens in this episode, the Doctor's okay. daughter? Let's take it from the top. So first of all, I think that maybe it opens that could be like my with a big thing that says this does have the Doctor's daughter in it. She is the Doctor's daughter. And anyone that disagrees <laughs> doesn't know about aphid reproduction. Honestly, there could have been a whole thing about aphid reproduction in this episode. It would have it would have made yes, there, more sense well, than some of the bits quite, in it. There could have been quite a lot of things in this episode that there were not. <laughs> That's right. It could have, you're right. Okay, so this follows on directly from the end of Sontaran Stratagem, Poison Sky, in that Martha was in the TARDIS, and then the TARDIS started dematerializing and they're like oh too bad martha you're coming with us and she's like i'm actually being kidnapped you're kidnapping me and he was like lol (laughs) random space adventures and she was like i'm calling the police (laughs) he gave me that phone that lets me what am i like says the the doctor turning to camera and grinning while martha tries to get out as he's led away in handcuffs by uh by sergeant andy his former companion. Oh, how the tables have turned back to sergeant andy doesn't it always comes back to sergeant andy with me so the Doctor, Donna and Martha, by surprise, they're not like deliberately piloting TARDIS, end up materialising on a planet that will turn out to be called Messaline, but they're kind of in these like underground tunnels. They emerge from the TARDIS and 
immediately, within, I would argue, milliseconds, mm-hmm. he Absolutely gets immediate, yeah. pulled out by soldiers and they plug his hand into a big machine. It turns out to be a a reproduction machine. Uh, let's see how many ways I can avoid saying a cloning machine. And <laughs> out comes through some sort of recombination. It's amazing. The Doctor actually works out what it's doing. Really, it's seemingly just from the noise. Recombining his genome to create something new. Uh, and that's how they make their soldiers in this, what we learn is like an underground war. And out of the machine comes the eponymous Doctor's daughter, Jenny, played by Georgia Moffat. Played, of course, who is, by the wonderful Georgia Moffat. Who is great. And everyone knows is Peter Moffat, a.k.a. Peter Davidson's daughter. And then you're right, soon enough, within um, a yeah. couple of years, I can't remember, it's 2011 they get married, December 2011. It, it does ring differently, this episode now. Her saying, hello, dad. You know... It does not for me. I I, 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 I was thinking that as I was watching it. I was thinking, does is this different, knowing Only that right married? at the start did it, did it mess with my brain. Mm. I, it should be called the Doctor's stepdaughter, To be fair, yeah, maybe. the last thing that I saw her in was staged, where she absolutely is just playing herself, David Tennant's wife. Also, I have just remembered, usually before we do the summary, we actually do some trivia and some cast i forgot so instead as we're at the start of the episode i will quickly sprinkle in a little bit and then i'll give the trivia as we go this is why all the credits are going we've got the time vortex going yeah yeah yeah. quickly a few bits of trivia so i didn't i didn't actually write down the name of a lot of people in the cast because there actually is a really small cast the cast is tiny yeah um but Mm -hmm. the big name is nigel terry with two first names yeah who played general cobb oh i haven't got much on him but he did die in 2015 i do remember him dying the director, whose name I actually didn't write down, uh, Alice Troughton, not related to Patrick Troughton, did also direct Midnight, which oh, is cool. a real a real jump because that episode is a hard episode to direct. And yeah. this episode, well, this one, this one, I was going probably to say, also hard. That I'm incredibly impressed with the direction reasons. on this one. I, I was also another one of my notes is I'm very impressed with Nigel Terry. I think that yeah. he's an he's absolutely astounding actor. He. Uh, gives this a lot of weight that the script really does not necessarily provide. I couldn't work out what his accent was, and it's taken me... I always assumed he was American, and I now realise he's from the South. He's from, like, Devon, Cornwall kind yeah, of area, he's from, right? like, kind of West Country, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah. he was American. I got the sort of, like, impression he was, like, Bristolian or something. Um, you've got Paul Casey and also Rory Mears as the half, well, the two main half, and they mm. are, like, the classic monster actors. Paul Casey's in everything. Yeah. And the other things uh-huh. I wanted to mention, Messaline has just got a mention in the most recent and indeed possibly last box set of the 11th Doctor Chronicles in which the new uh, paradigm Daleks absolutely obliterate it. Good. They good do... riddance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Tom is pro-Dalek. <laughs> no, I'm you... just anti-Messaline. <laughs> I'm Sometimes a the enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. Uh, when you eventually get around to listening to the Eleven Doctor Chronicles, you're going to feel bad about that because these Daleks yeah, do bad things. I probably am. It is. It is phenomenal. I mean, that not to get too into the big finish hole. I'll probably have to do its own video. But that Eleven Doctor arc is phenomenal. I will definitely talk about it during. Uh, is it due to Center the Tardis we're doing? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Anyway, so well, the other cast note I was going to mention Dom? about this. Pretty much the only other actor in this is Joe Dempsey, who is quite yeah. a big name nowadays. Is he? And who is, of course... Yeah, well, he was in Game of Thrones. He was uh, Gendry. I haven't um, seen it. 
Uh, he was all, he was also in Skins, which I think was where oh, he, uh, with Peter Baldy's name. He was he was in Skins before um, I think before Doctor's Daughter. Wait, was um, who did he play in Skins? Um, I'm on, on the Wikipedia here. Chris Miles. Damn it! Because he played Sid. Peter Capaldi played Sid's dad, which means he would be the Doctor's son. Oh, that would, that would be really handy, wouldn't that it? That would be really nice. I, I recognise the name, but I haven't actually seen him in anything besides this. Interestingly, Series 4 does actually introduce, I made a joke about this before, but it introduces both the Doctor's daughter and the Doctor's wife. Wait, so Rand Jones is in this? Doctor's oh, no, wife. you mean Alex Kingston. Yeah, okay, right. I, I mean River Song. Alex Kingston would marry the Doctor. Well, you, mean Ka- you mean Kamika from the Aztecs? <laughs> The doctors are bigger mist. <laughs> doctors are Mormon. <laughs> hmm. You see, I went back in time and I found a sack with um, these gold plates in it. Yes, and only I could read them under the tree. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension, cut off from our home, Salt what Lake Jesus City? Jesus Christ would want. <laughs> One day I shall come back to Utah. Yes, yes. I shall come back. Yes, to Utah. Uh, uh, oh yes, Jamie. Well, yes, that is a big one. Mitt Romney is rather tall. <laughs> uh, he's not. He's not a particularly he? tall man, isn't he? I, I don't think he is. Is he? I don't pay much attention to Mitt Romney. No, you know what? You're right. He is. He is taller than average. He's uh, one meter eighty-seven centimeters. What's that in feet and inches? That thing we use because we're British like six and we're weird. Two. Oh yeah, no, he's, he's tall. Same, same height as Obama. Is he? He's but short and Trump. I think because the one the one thing is that is genuinely true is Donald Trump is quite tall. It might be literally the only thing that's true about him. It, it, of all things, yeah, he's three 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 centimeters taller than Romney and uh, Obama. How much of that is the hair doing the work, though? <laughs> I mean, there's no brain propping it up, is there? You know, allegedly, according according to according to Google's uh, things that pop up immediately when you type it in, Baron Trump. Is, is uh, over two meters. Yeah. <laughs> is, is he, I, that, two meters, one centimeter. <laughs> he was. There was a thing about him playing Minecraft, Baron Trump. Maybe he's become an Enderman. He's played two meters. If you type in Baron Trump, if you type in Baron Trump height into Google, <laughs> Trump is about uh, thirteen first, years old. The first website. The first website. He's seventeen. <laughs> the first website that comes okay. up is from Slate.com and has track. the title. It, it has the title. Will Baron Trump ever stop growing? No, he's going to keep going to these one of those redwood trees, which they hate because they're Californian. Do we think that Trump yeah. put his hand in one <laughs> of these clone machines? until he becomes a space elevator. Trump, he's, he's a clone. Baron is a clone of Trump from the machine. <laughs> but, you know, they're not yeah, coming out of any machine, useful knowledge, is it? You know, it's put, meant to oh, put so, all the military wait, strategy. So is, he, so is he Trump's son then or not? Yes, as Sam, he is Trump's mm. son. Um, he was born by Parthenogenesis. Uh, what's quite interesting is, that obviously, these machines put the... We'll get back to this, we'll get back onto the summary. The machines put the, like, loads of war knowledge in your head. So I can only yeah. assume that for Donald Trump, it's just like, here's how you badly steal documents. No, 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 here's really how you badly steal documents. No, 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 no. Let's make it work. Like, it's just different strategies to badly steal documents. Also, here's some here's some stuff about bankruptcy as well. Yeah, but that's stupid American bankruptcy where you just do it to protect your business. I mean, he's also a terrible business. Also man. fascism, but, you know, the stupid American fascism where you do it to protect your business. Yeah, yeah. It always comes back to the fascism with the fascist guy, doesn't it? It no does, one ever, yeah. No one ever talks Depressingly about The Apprentice anymore, do they? 
Um, so obviously, uh, we've established uh, Georgia Offat now tenant. She has actually returned to Big Finish to play Jenny. So she's done it this four times. Twice with Peter Davison as the Doctor. Uh, one called Relative Time. Great name. Uh, and the other, The Artist at the End of Time, which is, I think it was number two on my list of top five ever, like, Doctor Who anniversary uh, audio stories. It is a beautiful story. She has not only a lovely relationship with um, The Fifth Doctor, but with the Colin Baker curator as well, um, which is really nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's somebody else who she... Uh, knows quite well as well, actually, because the other uh, bit of Georgia Tennant trivia is that she oh. went to school with Colin Baker's daughter. Oh! Oh my god, yeah. that must have been absolutely yeah, unbearable. Know. Flipping heck, yeah. Those two, because Peter, Colin yeah. and Sylvester all have a great vibe, but particularly Peter and Colin have a really strong brother, almost like brother fighting I mean, kind imagine, of thing. Imagine their parents' evenings. Oh my god. Also, I mean... Hilarious if they were like, does she does she want to go into medicine? <laughs> <laughs> no, she wants to be an actress, actually. <laughs> she doesn't want to be a... Don't. <laughs> a doctor. I'm taking her out of the school. <laughs> you want to know why we left the last three schools? They made too many jokes. <laughs> so there's also Jenny... I think it's called Jenny, the Doctor's Daughter, series one and two. I can only assume there'll be a third because the second series ends on a mad cliffhanger. They are very good. They're really, really, really fun. They are kind of like, to me, if they did a Doctor Who comic book and then made it on audio. They've got that kind of tone mm-hmm. of a bit faster yeah. paced, a bit more quippy. They're really fun. Um, and she got her friend Sean Biggerstaff in. That, like, she produces it, right? That was part of the deal was yeah. she would actually produce the series. So she's the one that's coming up with the vague story ideas. She's suggesting cast people. Title sequence is over. It's done. Let's get to the synopsis. Thanks Let's God. go. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank God. Okay. So. We've been recording for half an hour and we have not yet got past the title sequence. Okay. So Jenny comes out of the machine. She's not called Jenny yet. She has no name. These soldiers are born with no names. Immediately told they're fighting a war, but not against who. But don't worry because some noise happens in the distance. And, well, they they, <laughs> they question what it might be. It can only yeah. be the half. I, I, yeah, I had, yeah, I had some questions like, to raise what? about this as well. Maybe it's the half. Oh, who else could it be? The Zarbi. I was. You've done exactly the same joke as me. I had the Chumblies written in massive <laughs> capitals, or also potentially the Boulder from Indiana Jones getting some more work. <laughs> but yes, I mean, obviously, like, what else could it be? Of course, it's the half, guys. Every I like doing it every single time. The half show. It's like the half. What? <laughs> but I bet you're wondering how I, mean, I got is- here. This is why they're not doing well in the war, because they continually forget that they're fighting this a war. This war that's gone on for, might... for thousands of years, well. presumably. We can only imagine. Yeah, so Jenny is told that she's a Generation 5000 soldier. Uh, oh, I didn't hear that. Later in the epi- yeah, well, later in the episode, uh, the Doctor mentions, oh, they can make 20, gener- 20 new generations <laughs> in a day. <laughs> I didn't know that. And then we are told that he says that, he says that at the time that... Spoilers, the war the goes for a week. Scene where he's like, this war's been happening for a week. Wow. 20 generations a day. I mean, that's a script edit, uh, if ever I heard one. Yeah. Martha gets taken with the half. Yep. Uh, the Which are like fish people. <laughs> and that only and communicate... stops doing anything relevant for the rest of the story, so you no, don't need right. to worry about the, that. The half only communicate through bubbles, which is a really cool idea until it's happened for ages and you realise you can't understand what they're saying. It's kind of ambiguous mm. whether or not 
the TARDIS crew can understand what they're saying because Martha seems to not be able to, and then later communi- really be able to. But then she to. can. Yeah. Maybe she either learns very, very quickly or she just decides to just... Maybe we miss out, like, the sort of intense language camp that happens <laughs> where they're doing yeah, the Yeah, Martha's bubbles. on Duolingo. Um, sadly, the word for, like, cluster... <laughs> explosion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> trying to think of... <laughs> is similar to the word for gun. So Martha is... Maybe that's why it doesn't get translated for the audience because in universe oh, it's expletive swearing the whole time and it does not work well with the oh uh, yeah 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 they've got like sailor mouths which is ironic because they are fish mm-hmm. yeah, the, and we'll talk about them later because I I really like them yeah. I like the half a lot um, Cobb who is the general of the human forces meets the Doctor and the soldier Jenny and and they kind of talk and they learn the backstory of this place that they're fighting a war against the half. Uh, they're in some sort of weird yeah. old theatre. They kind of believe it's a dispute over something called the source that's meant to be like the bottled breath of God, effectively. Well, it's the yeah. sigh that God gave after she created the after universe, which is very universe, poetic. Yeah. Um, and they're yeah. fighting over that. I At this point, uh, I think Donna also calls Jenny G.I. Jane, which is, you know, it's a risky move, as we've seen from the Oscars. That's still topical. Uh, well, I suppose it depends when this that's goes still, out, doesn't it? Is that still... Yeah? There we go. Uh, yeah, well, what if it goes out yeah. in the past, immediately after Will Smith slapped Chris Rock? Yeah, like, if it goes out <laughs> um, almost a year ago, then yes, it's very topical. Good job, I have, David. I have a note here that says, General Cobb, his first name should be Cornelius. So it'd be Corn Cobb. Corn Cobb, yeah. yeah. Um, that's yeah. a note I have. It's not from the summary uh, on Wikipedia. It's just, it's just a note I came up with because I'm clever. Speaking of summaries, actually, I want to just quickly bring up the uh, BBC iPlayer summary for this <laughs> okay, episode, go on. the one-sentence strapline, which is, on the planet Messaline, the Doctor meets the most important woman of his life. <laughs> In my notes, I typed that out verbatim and then just wrote, hmm, so and then what's... sort of just left at that, because I couldn't think of anything else to you, say. That you know, you've not heard the artist at the end of time, mate. It justify no, it doesn't justify it. Um, what's so funny mm. about that is, I believe there was a before the episode came out, they were like Russell was like, this episode is going to leave a massive impact on the Doctor. He is going, yeah. you know, it's going to really impact him. And as far as I can tell, the only impact it has had is a let's say half a second flashback when Davros is kind of talking at yeah. him when he's listing all of yeah, the people. Yeah, it kind of contributes to the Doctor's dissociation, which in some ways is very important. Um, you know, mental yeah, health is but important. Equally, so does, like Linda with a Y, and she's not. Was Linda with a Y in the player, list with that as well? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, she is. You're right. And uh, so is um the um, the guy, the dad from Father's Day, who doesn't. Die, he comes back to life. Not not Rose's dad. Yep. The guy gets eaten by the so, reapers. So, so to be fair, so to be fair, does Jenny? The Olympic torchbearers in there as well, as we established. <laughs> but what he got struck by lightning? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. The Doctor then tries to, like, locate the source on this, like, electronic map. It cuts yeah. back to Martha. There's an electronic who's... map that the Doctor is able to find a secret layer in. Yeah. Which is a thing that you have it's in like, But it's like in TV, she's like in, like, CSI when they're hacking. And to help them hack, a second yeah. person comes to the same keyboard. And starts yeah, and typing. It's, typing away it's like that. Yeah. Yes. Now, in doing so, in finding this secret layer, it actually reveals the location for some unknown reason. I suppose it's the same ships, the same systems, but even so, a bit weird. Yeah. It reveals, conveniently reveals that location to the half as well. We know this because Martha's there. Yeah. She has made friends with the half. 
she has healed. She is like kind of one's got a dislocated leg, yep. which she puts you back in. What shoulder I find funny is, I think it's a shoulder. I, yeah, I have some questions oh, yeah, shoulder, about how, right. fi- well, about how these like, fish creatures have human shoulders, but here we are. Marvel's like, oh, I don't know about my, you know, my doctorate is going to help here. So I'm like, ha my masters of zoology is more helpful for you. I didn't study any physiology at all. <laughs> it was fine because Martha is just able to do it because apparently the, the Hath have human shoulders. But yeah, Martha finds the map and I would say most of the rest of Martha's dialogue in this story is very much of the school of thought yeah. of what's that, Timmy? You say that someone's fallen down the well. <laughs> what's that, Timmy? You say a fish man's fallen in the mud. <laughs> it, also, it's, it's sort of, it's, Tim, it's Timmy is the one who's fallen down the well, isn't it? You'd say it to Lassie or Skippy the Bush Timmy, or someone. Timmy died in that well. People don't know yeah. that. He died there. And they covered yeah. it in with concrete yeah, and Lassie, they renamed Lassie it Redbeard. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was happy. And Jenny's real I'm name is Euros. That. No, I'm, sure, I'm sure you are happy. You might be the only person that's happy. No, I don't, think that, I don't think that that's a I don't think that's a brilliant episode of Sherlock, but I do no, love do you know what? I actually general. like that episode. I think it's got some really good bits. I really like I like it when he has to get Molly Hooper to say I love you. That's my I think up. there's some excellent bits of it. I think there's there's it works better in the context of the rest of the show than it does by itself. In it's a kind way. of weird that it exists, right? Like, it kind of doesn't feel it like odd. it exists, right? Season yeah, 4 of Sherlock sort of doesn't... It doesn't feel it like feels a tangible very thing. Sort of ephemeral. Let's continue with the summary. The Doctor, Donna, and Jenny are locked up for being, like, potentially pacifists. During this time, Jenny says some really, like, quite dark, like, soldiery stuff, but she's so incredibly earnest that it does make yeah, it a little bit Yeah, she's very sort of upbeat and chirpy about it. Yeah, but it's great. Like, it, I think that's really good. I mean, we'll talk about this later, but yeah, it's to the episode. Uh, I love it. I, yeah. Again, there's another thing. They kind of discuss whether, I think Donna says you're not real to Jenny, and I'm like, that that doesn't really get discussed in any more detail, but it's a very interesting debate on whether or not a well, it's interesting. Well, clone daughter. Yeah, so what Donna actually says, I think, is that she um, she talks about how she wouldn't want children who aren't real. She uses the word real, okay. and, and that's quite interesting in the light of two stories later in Forest of the Dead, where she's got her computer kids. Yeah. I don't know how deliberate that was, or whether that was... A horrible little that, computer kids. A little clip-art children. But there's this long discussion about whether or not she can actually be a time lord and there's a really touching bit where donna gets a stethoscope out the doctor's pocket and she shows that jenny has two hearts and the doctor kind of admits yeah it's just really tough having a new, effectively a new time lord although as well and she can't regenerate yeah he yeah he confesses that to donna later in um a uh, bit where donna has sort of made one too many lazy suburbia dad jokes and yeah. the doctor is finally like, Donna, for goodness sake, I've been a, I've been a dad before. Yeah. Stop do, stop doing this sort of, like, lazy one-liners. Oh, Catherine Day had to re- reevaluate her stand-up after that. It's interesting, because then there's a the question, is she a Time Lord? But, uh, in the Big Finish series, she is being hunted by uh, a cyborg for Time Lord biodata. So, as far as Big yeah. Finish goes, she is a Time Lord. We're gonna, let's follow Donna and the Doctor and Jenny's path, and then we can jump back to Martha. Basically... They yeah, escape the cells. Martha, nothing happens. <laughs> we'll jump back to Martha for eight seconds. So the Doctor, Donna, and Jenny manage to escape the cell by Jenny doing uh, a very lazy seduction tactic. The, cl- the classic, the classic prison seduction steel gun. They manage to knock out Joe Dempsey's guard. They run along. They the escape. Corridor for they a run bit. along a lot of corridors. It does cut back yep. between kind of Martha. Well, no. 
Martha's not really doing anything, and the half are kind of yeah. also marching down some corridors. Sometimes they use a glowing battering ram for some reason. They You've got to make your own fun of Metaline. They knock another guard out yeah. from behind. The doctor distracts yeah. the guard with a little mouse, which is quite fun. Yeah, the doctor gets very angry at Jenny for something that he does pretty much every other week, and yeah. uh, pretty much never stopped doing when he was John Pertwee. Which oh, that's what I was going to say. Jenny should have, if Jenny was really a doctor's daughter, should have gone hi. Yeah. <laughs> So the only real big obstacle that happens is when the soldiers catch up with them uh, at this kind of laser grid and Jenny's going to hold off the soldiers and basically she's meant to get the gun and shoot the people basically but the doctor tells her there is another way and I usually I'm like this is a big character flip but to be fair Jenny's not exactly a bloodthirsty monster so she, I, I Jenny this... at this stage is uh, half an hour old so there's not a lot of character to build away from. Oh uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, the doctor says to Jenny, "There's always another way," and it turns out that the other way no. is gymnastics. Jenny says, "No, I've got to shoot shoot Nigel Terry in the head now." Yeah, and and the, and the David the yeah, David Terry says, "Georgia, are you okay?" Georgia's like, "I hate him." And wait, are we, film- <laughs> are we still filming? So, but then, so Jenny kind of holds them off with the guns that don't shoot bullets, just fire. Um, <laughs> because yeah. if you've ever if you watch the episode, you'll see. Never see any bullets come out of the guns. It's just like fire at the end of the guns. Yeah, there's a little bit of fire, and also when Jenny gets shot later. P.S. Spoilers: Jenny the, gets a shot. T- the smallest uh, amount she of dies ketchup, remarkably quickly, like a McDonald's sachet of ketchup. Yeah. So other fast food brands are available, but Jenny realizes that she can shoot the pipe. So Jay shoots out the pipe, causing a tiny amount of green smoke to happen, which holds off the soldiers for ten minutes. Yep, this large the army laser grid is quite scared of the smoke. They're scared of green, maybe uh, because. Yeah. One of them as a child. The colour the, the color green pushed their parents off a cliff. Yeah. A load of colour yeah. greens. So anyway, Jenny can't get through the laser grid by like walking through it because she'd die immediately. So she does a Britney Spears toxic flip through the grid, yeah. which at the time I was like, this is sick. George isn't actually doing loads of backflips, is she? No, I think that's a, I think it's a stunt double. It's, stunt double. Uh, it's still cool. You, you, you quite sort of um, clearly can't see her face when she finishes doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody with their... They're, they're back to the camera. Still pretty cool. When I first watched this back in 2008, it would have been, uh, that was the the coolest thing about this story was somebody just doing loads of backflips. Yeah, it was in the trailer. Guys. And I was so excited. Yeah. So we cut back to Martha. Martha is outside. Martha has taken half peck. The only two named half are, who oh, we, we never get a name on screen until Martha starts screaming peck. Uh, never <laughs> yeah, doing a context for that. make it seem like she's just having a breakdown. There's, it's <laughs> half peck. Peck and half Gable, so uh, Gregory Peck and Clark Gable. Um, it's just out of nowhere. It's not a theme. It's just weird. Anyway, so they're outside on Messaline because they've realised they can get to the source through the, an outside route. Uh, yeah. It's really horrible outside on Messaline. It's all muddy and dark. And then Martha yeah. trips over nothing. Like Martha yeah, just and falls. Then she falls down a she falls down a gentle <laughs> incline into a pit of liquid <laughs> while screaming. So presumably, I guess we have to assume that Stephen Greenhorn really liked the classic series. And yeah, I think so. I mean, it is. She may as well have just twisted her ankle first yeah. as well, just to complete it. I yeah. think she deliberately fell to murder Half Peck. Yeah, maybe, quite possibly. Yeah, because she ends up in, I guess, a tar pit. Maybe a slurry. Which is a thing. I think it's just mud. Yeah. I think it's just mud. And she's screaming, yeah, Peck. Who knows? Peck She's and the giant bird peck, comes peck, down peck. and eats her, uh, and then we get for context that that's this half's name. And the half look, sort of looks at her, and he gets into the water. He jumps into the water, and he kind of pushes her out. 
And then he very, 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 very quickly sinks beneath the, yeah. the water. He sinks remarkably quickly, <laughs> makes no real effort to get out, and n- neither does Martha make any effort to help and him you out. Can, you can hear the... the they, you can hear the very clearly adding ADR clink of his, like, his uh, yeah, breathing apparatus breaking yeah. to explain why he drowns. Because the big thing is, oh, a fish yeah. drowns in this episode, it's stupid. And they're not, they're not fish, they're fish people. But yeah, I, I know. Uh, so it is the, the it is in some ways, the lazy the lazy criticism of this story is a fish drowns. Fish drowns, it's quite a lazy And on the criticism. one hand, yeah, it's not it's not really that. But on the other hand, it's quite a the story criticism. was under no obligations to make the half look like fish and then have one of them drown. Also, so the main thing I have it, is I Martha... I think it speaks to a certain sort of sloppiness. Martha scream cries about oh, this. God, yeah. Martha is so upset about this fish man who she's, she's not been able to communicate minutes. with. It's it's way too OTT. I would like Peck to have appeared in the Doctor's like Dad Ross flashbacks and the Doctor's like... who. <laughs> who was th- and then Who's Martha's that? like oh no I know that guy Peck <laughs> Martha just bursts and floods of tears uh, uh, like when Spongebob leaves Davros his is job. like wow I didn't think that one would work on anyone so the Doctor and Donna and Jenny get to where the source is it's a big ball in some sort of terrarium with loads of plants in what's clear like an original colony ship and then there's Martha- also some koi carp in the pond there's some koi carp in the pond uh, Donna they also met the Martha Martha's Come in through a door that's conveniently opened. Yeah. Uh, they meet. That's the only time they meet. Uh, pretty much the episode. They're separated for most of it. Yeah. This is also where... I don't know if it's with Martha. Donna figures out. Oh, the... this is where Donna figures out that there's these plaques on the walls that have numbers that seem to be counting down. What they actually are is their dates going mm-hmm. back in time with the earliest date being where yeah. the colony ship is and the latest date being the, the furthest out bits. Tells them that this war that they've been fighting has been going on for only seven days and the cloning has been uh, made them think that it's been going on for a lot longer than it has. Gener- so that's yeah, a pretty they, cool sci-fi hook, isn't it? They said generations. I'm sure that will play into the resolution of this story somehow. There's also a bit here, just I just had in my notes, where Donna describes travelling with the Doctor as terrifying, brilliant and funny all at the same time. I want them to smash cut to the Taran Wood Beast at that, that moment. <laughs> or the Murka. The Murka as well. David, you'll be delighted to know that I also wrote down in my notes for this episode, terrible, brilliant and funny in quotation marks, and then followed <laughs> it up with three things that this episode isn't, because I was in a bit of a bad mood when I watched it because I hadn't eaten lunch yet. Ah, <laughs> That's harsh, Tom. I know that this is supposed to be a positive Doctor Who podcast, and uh, when I was looking over the notes later, I was like, this is a bit... Sort of off-brand for us, I guess. Terrifying, brilliant and funny also describes Hannibal Lecter's debut Edinburgh Fringe show. It's also the name of the uh, other three dwarves who didn't get to hang out with Snow White. It's what TB Fair actually stands for. No, f*** <laughs> that. <laughs> it's what TBF actually stands for. <laughs> TB Fair is DB Cooper's brother. TB Fair, guys. TB Fair. Terrible, brilliant, funny. And also, I didn't acknowledge your good, your good Snow White joke there. It's a good job. Oh, thank you. Uh, I did that. Uh, I, and I hereby acknowledge your DB Cooper joke, which I think <laughs> is you. very good, even if it does make you raise some questions about how initials versus surnames work. Basically, ends at a confrontation around the source, this big glowing ball that turns out to be a terraforming device. The Doctor picks up the device that apparently holds the breath of God. Uh, no one makes a move to stop him, half or soldier, human soldier. He chokes it on the floor, it shatters. People are so amazed by the beautiful CGI mist 
that um, the soldiers put down their guns. So the other half is actually quite beautiful. But Cobb, the grizzled old soldier who is probably about six hours old, cannot hey. like get away with it. You know, he, he wants, he says a few minutes before, you said, the doc says you want this war over. And he says, I want this war won, which is a, another excellent line. It is great. He pulls out a gun, he's going to shoot the doctor. Jenny steps in front of the doctor, takes the bullet. Bullet doesn't go through Jenny and out the other side into the doctor like it would. Well, remember, there's no bullets in these guns, just fire. And then Jenny kind of dies on the floor in the doctor's arms. She can't regenerate. And then the doctor grabs a gun, grabs the gun that was Cobb's, picks it up, puts it to mm-hmm. his head. Now, initially, when I watched this, I thought, oh, he's actually going to shoot him. He's not. He was never going to shoot him. He's making a point. No. Because then he puts the yeah. gun away and he says, I never, ever would. The implication is they'll let Cobb live. Because in the original script, he was just going to be taken away and executed. Which is <laughs> very different. I would like that a half would be like, shouldn't the breath of God be more like bubbles? <laughs> uh, that's another note I have. Like, this is not... That's a very good point. That's not what we expected. You know, God, the big fish. The big fish, God. Yeah, the big fish in the sky. Big fish in the sky. The doctor says that make the foundation of this society a man who never would. I hate trees. They miss here, and in future generations, the colonists of Vesely grow to hate trees. That's that's my fan yeah. theory. They defo- they, there's so much deforestation. My actual fan theory is that Vesely becomes Traken, which probably doesn't work with timelines, but All right. Traken is a whole society founded on being very nice to each other, and they worship yeah. a thing called the Source. So, yeah, all right. It's not yeah, like... I, you know what, you've convinced me. Anyway, what was really sad here, I think, was the fact that when the Doctor does get that gun, we could have finally had the on-screen origin yeah. of Doctor Gun. This was the moment for Doctor Gun. This is the moment that the timelines bifurcate, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? This is Doctor Doctor Gun Unbound is Doctor Who. Yeah. So in the universe in which the Doctor Doctor Gun doesn't do, pull the trigger, Doctor yeah. Who happens. Yeah. Doctor Who is yeah, a spin-off but in, from in the real universe, of course, the Doctor pulls the trigger, becomes Doctor <laughs> yeah. Gun, and then says, make this the foundation of your society, a man who absolutely man who would. would. And then they all pick up their guns, and they all <laughs> Just start shoot shooting each other. <laughs> what, I, what I really like about this is that in my head, Doctor Gun is on after Juliet Bravo, and I don't know why. And that is a niche, there's a niche reference, people who were alive in the 1960s. Uh, I honestly would love to take the Doctor gun further, but we can't because yeah. we do. We are no. on a time limit. So basically, he chucks the gun away. I really like the idea that it would maybe bounce off something and a shot would go out of the gun and just shoot Joe Dempsey. Because <laughs> if you drop yeah. a gun, it will fire. Like, that's not that's not safe. Yeah, but these are space guns. It's so not. It was a revolver. <laughs> it was clearly a normal yeah. revolver. The Doctor, Martha and Donna leave and Don- Martha will get dropped back off. Uh, home but then and we see jenny's body laid out on a slab in the weird theater should be pointed out probably not a good idea to leave just a dead time lord uh, on a planet river literally says that the only race will tear apart and indeed the cult 5000 cyborg does follow jenny uh throughout the entirety of the current eight episodes of her big finish series to be fair the other thing i would say on a similar note to that is I just, in general, wouldn't leave a dead body lying out in the middle of a theater. I think, well, they do, we, do see, we do see them clear up. Clear up, Jenny? Yeah. We see a half and Joe Dempsey. I don't know Joe, Joe Dempsey's character. Joe Dempsey, uh, the actor Joe Dempsey, uh, hiding this dead body. Uh, no, and then Jenny breathes out a bit of the sauce, which has somehow brought her back to life, which I'm fine with. It was Stephen Moffat's idea, this, as you will know, but they never used it. Yeah. And I actually, honestly, I mean, we'll get to this, I think it's a way, it's a bit too... 
it's too harsh for Jenny to die, really. It's more bittersweet yeah. for Jenny to go off yeah. by herself, alive, but the Doctor doesn't know, which is nicer. And Jenny yeah, basically flies off, steals the nice. shuttle. and oh, she flies into Big Finish. When does it come to 2008? Only like, I think yep. literally a decade later, <laughs> it would take hmm. for her to come back to Big Finish. Well, it makes sense. It's made, it makes sense because she didn't really know any of the other actors involved in this or any of the other creative no, voices. No, you're right. So it's probably really hard she's to never, get in touch with And she's never her. done Big Finish before. Perhaps, I don't know, in an audio called Red Dawn alongside her father. That hadn't happened and she hadn't done that. Right, that is our trivia, our summary. Shall we get on And our general digressions. Let's get on to what we actually think of it. In case that hasn't come across already. Our favourite bits. The exterior of Messaline, I think that's really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's really atmospheric. I don't think it looks like a giant map painting. It is very classic Who, but I, I, I yeah. like it for a horrible planet that no one could live on. Just yeah. a muddy, misty, grimy. It's horrible. I think it's really You effective. can see why it needs terraforming, yeah. Sometimes nowadays when you film these kind of things, don't look like the actors are actually getting messy. Martha yeah. Fima Egerman is getting covered in mud. Like, it is, it is horrible. Absolutely, yeah. I, I had a similar thing. I really like the look of it. it I, I think I also noted down that it looks very, very classic series. Oh, it's um, such a classic series just in, episode, this yeah, one. Yeah, going outside like that, it gives the story a real scale and scope that it was sort of lacking beforehand when it's just corridors. Yeah. Uh, now, I mentioned earlier that I, I'm very impressed with Alice Charlton's direction here. This is going to sound like damning with faint praise, but it is not. It is something that I think is genuinely quite impressive, that she makes a story that is set almost entirely in two or three corridors not feel like it's set in the same two or three corridors. Yes, also, it's got quite a good pace, and I do have a feeling that the script is a little boring. I don't think it's a boring episode, but I think the script's probably a little boring. Yeah, there is always stuff happening. I can definitely see, I can definitely imagine a, a lesser version of this episode Yeah, where it becomes very clear that they're just moving between different corridor sets, nothing really happens, and there's basically nothing really goes on between Jenny being born and the bit at the end with the source. Born! She because fundamentally, on in story terms, nothing really does happen then apart from a few <laughs> conversations between the Doctor and Jenny about whether or not it's alright to kill people. You know, sometimes that's which, just what life is like. to be fair, like. the Doctor does incredibly badly at... This defending. is just an avant-garde piece of theatre, Tom, that's sort of showing true life. Yeah. Another thing I really like is the design of the half. I alluded to this before. I think they look yes, really cool. I love that as well. I think they look good. They are an amazing costume, amazing design, just really good. We were talking about Dalek Sec in the last episode. I don't think human Dalek mm-hmm. Sec, I didn't think that the animatronics actually added that much to it. Whereas here, I mm-hmm. think the movement of their like gill flaps on the side of their head is really effective. Absolutely. What I was going to say, actually, yeah, they, they simultaneously, they feel alien and... Yet at the end of the story, by the point at which we realised that, yeah, they were working together with the humans all along and they're not just barbarian, scary aliens. Uh, They feel like aliens who have this alien mentality and body language, but who nonetheless are like kind of people like us, even if we don't understand anything that they say or do. (laughs) Yes, which is a weird choice. That was Russell's idea, I believe, to have the most speaking bubbles. I think to some degree it's quite effective. But I think what they have to do, because they clearly forget in the script whether or not the Doctor and Martha et al. can actually yeah. understand yeah, that. Absolutely. And I think you, you lock in that they can very early on, 
and then it's fine, even though it is a bit lassie, because it's at least it's interesting, right? They they bubble and they communicate, and yeah. you sometimes have it be yeah. I like you made a joke earlier about the fact they're always swearing, but honestly, you can do that kind of joke. They don't really. Yeah. Do, do they say potty mouth or something at some point? Maybe they do. Uh, uh, no, you're right. Actually, at one point, Martha does say "oi" language. Of course, there is the other interpretation that Martha doesn't understand what they're saying, but is just having a bit of fun with it. All right, all right, how you doing? Yeah, they've got a really strong northern accent or something, um, which is what that was. Uh, I am from the north, so I can, I, it's my I culture. Up, I path. Yeah. I fish. Sort of my culture as well. There is, there is somewhere fish. in the north where they where fish is... I think it's in the north where fish can be a... Um, uh, a term of endearment. Term of endearment, yeah, I can't remember where. They did speak English on set, the half, but yeah, they're such divas, they had to do their ADR. Yeah. In Star Wars, so you know how James L. Jones is the voice of Darth Vader? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the um, Dave Prowse. But the body of uh, David Prowse with this very strong person, West Country accent, Somerset yes. accent. Yeah. So yeah, he was doing things on set. And also seen, uh, Peter uh, Mayhew, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, was also uh, just saying his line. He was just saying his line. Oh, really? And yeah. Did know that. <laughs> Um, I didn't know Peter Mayhew just said his lines. Uh, yeah. Did you know that when they were <laughs> I mean, filming... I think he did in the first one, at least. I don't know if they changed it in later ones. Do you think Harrison Ford is going to learn Wookiee? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think that I think man Harrison will do Ford that? isn't learning his lines. I, I mean, think I he say was just that. saying whatever he felt. I'm pretty sure he's read Hulk in the next Captain America film. So, you know, his standards are different sometimes. And he's not had to learn Wookiee for that. He's had to learn half, he's had to learn half though. Okay. He's on set, like, and Anthony Mackie's yeah. like, Harrison, it's an honor to meet you, but I, I, I don't. Uh, okay, um, you're ruining this take. We're this is the eighth reshoot we've had to do because they're Harrison, adding. I in, have a family. They've decided I need to go home. They they're putting Squirrel Girl in now. Like they're just they're trying anything. <laughs> Galactus and Squirrel Girl, are, are the villains in. In Captain America, it's I don't Squirrel understand. Girl would never be the villain. It's lucky they pay me lots of money. Um, I did have something that was relevant, but it it has gone from my brain. Oh, it's the yes, it's not relevant to Doctor's Daughter though. But um, do you know when they were filming Return of the Jedi, they had kind of like handlers for Peter Mayhew so that no one shot him as Bigfoot because <laughs> they were filming in like American redwood forests. <laughs> I think that's true. That's that's true. Well, it's according to Peter Mayhew, so I'm going to take it as true. I want that. I, that's one of those facts that I, I want to be true so much that it makes it irrelevant. I'm almost it certain it's true. I've heard it on No Such Thing as a Fish, and I, I've yeah. checked it. It's certainly in people's autobiographies. I'm not sure if they photos. Uh, I have two more, but do you want to give some of your things you liked? Uh, yes, I've got a couple of... Um, I'll just do a selection of small things as well. One of the smallest of small things, probably the smallest thing that I've mentioned before as a thing I like. Okay. Um, but I really loved it. The music that Murray Gold... Well, all, all of the music in this one is very good, actually. See, that's one of the big criticisms you get, actually, for this episode. Yeah, it's I too, know. It's too loud I, I, Honestly, music. I really liked it. I've so not bothered to write music, that one down because I don't care about it. I think the music carried some of the stuff later in it. Well, I think that's the point. Right at the start, when Jenny steps out of the machine, yeah, when Jenny steps out of the machine, there's a little sort of electric guitar. Yeah, there is. Sting, yeah, which which sounds amazing. It <laughs> sounds sound brilliant, good. and it makes you inve- It makes you a lot more invested in the 
significance of this character than anything else in the script does. That I think. is a little. That is a little thing because that's interesting. Because my one of my other big ones is that, and I was expecting it to be one of yours, is Jenny. I mm-hmm. I, I really yeah. like Jenny. She is left a bit yeah. of a blank slate. That, was, that I mean, is one of mine. It's, it's she, George she's very Tenet, good, actually. Really, it turns out she's a very good actor. She must use her, really. I Maybe mean, someone should tell her, uh, her dad. I'm sure he'll be really proud. Yeah. Um, nah, he is proud yeah, of she's her. She's excellent in this. He's the, definitely proud of her. The charisma that she uh, yeah. sort of fills Jenny with the is, is off the charts. The, 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 yeah. the earnestness with which she can say basically anything is extremely yeah. impressive. And I've heard her do other things. Obviously, in stage, she's playing an exaggerated version of herself. But in, in Red Dawn, she does play like... Uh, I can't remember who she's playing, but she's playing like an astronaut on Mars. Definitely not like a Jenny character. I think she's young and kind of a bit wide-eyed, but there's not like nowhere near as earnest. Yeah, she's got range. She's really, really good. Yeah. I think she's kind of proof that a female doctor can work prior to River, who I would say is the first yeah. proper proof in the modern series of like, here is yeah. effectively a female Doctor Who. Jenny is more like an action movie star, and that's why I like that her she series is, is more like a comic book. simultaneously, but... though, Jenny feels a lot more similar to Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. Yeah, I, I see that. I they see have that. very similar energy to each other, I they think. They do, I like that. Actually. In the sort of Ooh, the earnestness. But um, can they be? Just being really open and genuine about Because I want that and... now. I, re- I Honestly, yeah. the 13th Doctor meeting Me with Jenny would actually be really good. And they'll totally know each that other. That would be great. They'll, uh, yeah. Jodie and um, George will definitely know each other. Oh, I'm sure they do. Because um, yeah. they were Mark Tennant is filming Broadchurch in, what, 2011, 2012? So he's married to Georgia at this point. Later, yeah. I think, yeah. We can look this up to resolve this, but I'm not going to. We're going to let this argument settle and yeah, slowly no, no, erode no, no, our no. friendship. Uh, listeners, if you know when Broadchurch came out, yeah. write into us. Ooh, no, listeners, right? If, if you know when Broadchurch came out, what you do, please write as a five star review on iTunes and put where when Broadchurch came out. Okay, cool. That's where we want all of the reviews to be five stars <laughs> and the sentence Broadchurch came out in this year. Yeah, and then also for a bit of fun, put your favourite flavour of crisps. Yeah. Uh, so she kind of checks the Doctor about him being a soldier, and I again, it's not, it's not the a lot in this episode because this episode feels like it does a lot of things quite thinly but i really like her being like well no that tactic is like a soldier's tactic and i do think it works better than it does in series eight and i think that might be because i feel like series eight tried to do it too hard and then didn't quite stick a landing whereas in this episode in part because it's so airy and so hand wavy about a lot of things it's one of the closest things that this episode has to a major theme i think is yeah isn't the doctor kind of a bit like a soldier and then concluding it with the ah, but he never would shoot yeah. someone in cold blood. Well, that's um, I love the never would. Yeah, that's I think that, one of my that, things that I, I think like. that more could have been done there. Definitely, definitely. And oh, also, no, some sorry. of Jenny's comparisons. Uh, there is one particularly hilarious one that I noted down, Go on. uh, which is when they're in the cell. Uh, that Jenny says, you're you're being just like a general. You know, you're making a plan of what <laughs> to do. It's like Jenny. I don't yeah. think that is the main thing about generals. <laughs> I think that there are You're more being just like a general. Qualities. You're eating food and digesting it and breaking it down into feces. Look at you sitting <laughs> just down. Just like there. a general. I've seen a general do that once before. You know who else wears trousers? General Cobb. Jenny, Jenny could just go through Mrs. Gren and be like, generals move, yeah. generals respire, <laughs> generals sensitive. Wait. Do you know that uh, Jen- so Jenny actually, as a name, is short for Jennifer. general comparisons that are somewhat overdone? <laughs> That might be the biggest laugh you've got on me. And then... Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Um... 
<laughs> I never can tell what exactly is going to get you. Here's I for thinking it stood for generated anomaly open brackets daughter in all caps close brackets. <laughs> Open brackets, not a clone, all caps, close brackets. <laughs> Open brackets, have you considered aphid parthenogenesis? <laughs> close brackets, and then another open brackets, like, this isn't how parentheses are meant to work, Ed, my editor, close yeah. brackets. <laughs> another open brackets, and R- Russell, R- Russell, seriously, we can't do this yeah. in, the ter- in the title sequence. Do you sequence. think that it was... Julie Gardner, close brackets. This is very much the Tallulah 3008 of The Doctor's Daughter. Yeah. Where you've got to follow it oh, up. Oh yeah, I mean, when I was listening to the episodes, I was like, oh, I really, I really kept that three hours and eight yeah. thing going. Jenny, two ends of the wife. To, didn't I? Anyway, yeah, Je- Jen- Jenny, zero hours, zero H's. There are yeah. other ways you could Get spell, you could spell Jenny, J-E-N-I. So, theoretically, Jenny, two ends of yeah. the Y, could be what she says, but she doesn't. You could spell it uh, D-Z-H-E-N-I. If you're, what, if you're wrong? No, if you're, like, using Cyrillic. Jenny, oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, that's how you'd write a J sound in Croatia. Cyrillic. Well, you'd use the D and the J sound uh, sign. The thing is, this, makes me, this bit makes me sound unrefined, so I'm going to uh, cut it. I also love the bit with Jenny's heart. I mentioned that before. I think it still hits. You feel the legacy. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is a bit that I'm a little bit more on the fence about. So I hope you can, t- I hope you can talk me around on it. For me, it's much more about the Doctor's reaction than anything else, really. Because mm-hmm. the Doctor, he doesn't just, like, react and just say something. He doesn't like say anything. Yeah. He just he just takes a step back and he slightly yeah. leans against the wall. And yeah, it's that just is true. I, like... I did have that in my notes, that David Tennant is really good he's at so acting good this, troubled, it's, which is it's, probably why they keep making him This is it. the moment in which he realises there's kind of another Time Lord... And in some ways, and they don't hit on this hard enough, this episode's stakes just went up. In some regard, like, it could have been the Doctor's like, well, now I have something to lose again. Which is kind of it. It's the, besides the reminder, is the fact that well, he would have something, something to lose that's something they aim for at the end, but I think that... Well, we'll get to this in the criticism. He probably moves on very, very quickly, isn't he? The, well, the other thing that troubled me about it is that, particularly uh, coming on the wake of Evolution of the Daleks and Daleks in Manhattan, and it made me think, oh, look... Here we go again. We have another story about how your race and physiology determines who you are as a person. But the doctor is like, I don't accept you. Oh no, you're my species, so now I do. I don't. Do you know what? I don't know if like, I. Oh, great. Here we go. I don't know if I agree with that because he doesn't yeah. fully accept her at that point anyway. It, that is it's true. More that is true. That that makes it more redeeming. In it? some regards, it's more that it's more like it's answering the doctor's fears. I think because in many ways, actually, if he knew she mm. was human. I can imagine the Doctor reacting more positively because it's the fa- it's a yeah. the fact that he's he's sort of distrustful of her and he doesn't want anything to do with her at first is because she's effectively a Time Lord. That is why it was kind of I see what you mean. It depends on the reading of it, but I kind of think it's both. I think it's also the other way it works the other way around. I think you're right. I think I think that. David and Georgia save it with their with how they play that scene. Oh yeah, I think the way that it's written is a little bit unfortunate. It feels to me more like a ripping off the band aid sort of thing than a aha now you yeah. will love me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and th- th- it does get into broader criticism about this that I'll bring up yeah. when we do that stuff. That it's one that it's not from me, but it's a very good. Do you have any story, 
any more because I have one more short one and then we can move on to the the ways that we'd like to improve the episode. Well, the, the other thing that I wanted, I, we've already talked about it a little bit, we've already hinted at it. Uh, the week-long war is an ah, amazing that's mine. sci-fi that's mine. concept. Yep, cool. I thought it would be, yeah. This is in sync, it that's is good. Sort of, it is a classic, like, Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, Ursula K. Le Guin style short story. And it idea. was it was seeded earlier. I appreciate the 5,000 generation stuff doesn't really work, but the yeah. the actual <laughs> idea that they always say it in generations, they never really give years or whatever. It is, yeah. to a degree, you can kind of work it out. It's the sort of mystery where... It doesn't seem like they've pulled anything out of thin air in hindsight. Mm. Also, I like that it's Donna yeah. who solves it, because it's never it Donna. It, Donna it, it never is nice gets that it gives Donna something to do in this story. And also, the fact that she's... The really... issue then is that it doesn't actually contribute anything at all to, the, to anything else that happens. Donna's just like, huh. Numbers. This war's been going on a week, and everyone's like, huh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, here's the source. I suppose what it's going for is it's a commentary on the futility of war. That functionally, yeah. the fact that this war's gone on a week is equivalent to the, the war having gone on for decades, to some degree. Yeah. I guess is what yeah, it's going ulti- for. Yeah, ultimately, it, it's, I think it's about how quickly things collapse into meaninglessness in war, how people can forget what they're doing incredibly mm. quickly, and the smallest of things can sort of tear people apart from what was... Presumably by that point, a fairly yeah. standard issue. Yeah, I mean, just like a slight disagreement over who was going to take over the captaincy of the ship. Yeah. Um, that f- captain who died. You, you're like, good job. Yeah. The one thing you had to do was not die. Was he half fish, half man, do you think? I think he was a merman, maybe. Oh, yeah. Or he, was, he was the um, guy who was the guy from The Shape of Water. Oh, really? They got... Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good casting. It's amazing they didn't... Yeah, I know. So it's a real shame that, that they cut that scene in the end. Yeah, that was going to be the initial pre title sequence. Was <laughs> was him um, slowly dying of an illness? Of water. Well, yeah, he's just walking around as a control panel. Then he clutches at his chest, goes, <laughs> "Oh, my heart!" The, and then uh, does the same thing the, in bubbles, and then collapses. The original pre title sequence was the entire movie, The Shape of Water. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move on to the critics thing. I have one thing I I did want to bring up because one of my other positives was that I really liked that man who never would speech, but the place it was filmed, right? So this is in this greenhouse area, but so I went and I had a look at the location. Just going through my notes. Yeah. So the final confrontation was filmed at a place called Plantasia in Swansea, which is a big public hothouse, um, sort of like a Welsh Eden project. But it's not boring because yeah. they have animals as well. And I found the Eden Project boring because they did The Eden Project's didn't. nice. Like it is Eden nice, Project. but it was really fun. I didn't have any animals. They have meerkats at, mm. at Plantasia. And they have, okay, to they be, have okay, fair play. That's according okay. to Wikipedia, one Burmese python. Just one. Nice. But the, the main thing I found out about Plantasia, which is one of the two things I have that I feel like no one has ever mentioned on a Doctor Who podcast before, ever. Mm-hmm. And it is not the fact that Cold War was also filmed there. The Wikipedia page ends. So the last sentence on the Wikipedia page is about how uh, Doctor Who filmed there twice. And then it says, Jag Alskar Svegi och which is Swedish for I love Sweden and dogs. No, <laughs> no one's noticed this on the Wikipedia page. And I presume it's been there for years. And I always like to find something unique. What? 
That is fascinating. Hang I, on. I, I, I'm, is, I'm googling it now. Because who is who is right. ever going on the Wikipedia page for Plantasia, right? Yeah, you. Yep, I can hereby confirm. Uh, David is right. On the Wikipedia page for Plantasia <laughs> in Swansea, it does end it by saying Jagelska Sverkiorkunda. Which translates to I love Sweden and dogs. I Googled yep. to see if that was a meme. It's not. <laughs> no, it's just some guy who it's, loves Sweden and dogs. Like, should I go and see edit history? And see, and see edit history. Edit. Yeah, go on. Edit. Please do. Let me see when this was added. Anyone can edit, I gathered. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Yeah, if, listeners, if you've never heard about Wikipedia before... Anyone can edit it. Not every page. Not otherwise. Not well, okay, yeah. Yes, so this was done. Oh. Oh, that's a bit sad. What? I think I think it was done in January this year. Ah yeah, the um this filming location stuff. Well let's have a look at that version. Well actually, yeah, so uh, well at one point it just said Jagelska Svergi. Um and then later the Okunda was added. Oh, oh so they added Adog. Well, also, also the, a, a different point. It was called. Uh, well, it didn't wasn't called. It said, "Yeah, Elskar Sveri Ochfang." Apparently, it means catch. I love Sweden and catch. Probably fishing, maybe. I don't know. I've also just checked, and the Welsh language Wikipedia entry for Plantage was actually much, much shorter than the English one. Um, anyway, thank you. So that's 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 my my first of my Doctor Who things. I don't think anyone's ever talked about. I think there's a there's a reason why no one has ever talked about this, which is it's an edit to a Wikipedia page only tangentially related to Because they are Doctor not because they're not cool and they're unambitious. They yeah, just they don't love Sweden and or dogs. They don't or love catch. Sweden and or dogs enough. Shall we move on to the criticisms? Yes, let's The Critics Corner. Do you want to go first, Tom? One of my biggest issues with the story is is very simple. It's it's Martha's part in it. Okay, so that's my first um, point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're both on the same page here. She doesn't do so, anything. So if anybody has read The Writer's Tale, uh, which we've mentioned before on here, if you if you haven't read it, have. I'd really urge you to. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, it is the sort of emails that Russell and Benjamin Cook were sending between one another whilst Series 4 was being and Guy Russell written, as well, right? then filmed, then, rege- then uh, released. Uh, no, it's just it's just Russell and Benjamin Cook. Huh. There's a there's some backstory here, basically. Basically, what seems to have happened is Russell describes to Benjamin Cook that he had written the general sort of uh, outline for what would happen in the series. He approached Stephen Greenhorn, who wrote the Lazarus Experiment yeah. in the previous series, who only writes episodes do, following basically. on from Helen Rayner episodes. Yep, he only does episode six in an episode. In a series directly following a Helen Rayner two-parter based on a classic monster returning. Yeah. Uh, so it's fair to say he's got a niche. Always involving and, uh, genetics of some sort. Yeah, but, yeah. And uh, also, also, always involving things not being really very good. I thought was... <laughs> wow. This is a Positive Who podcast, Tom. This is a Positive Who podcast. Yeah, well, I, I, I will say this is a Positive Who podcast, and I think this... This and Lazarus Experiment both have a lot of redeeming features, but I will say this about Lazarus Experiment. It can f- thank us for not including it for as our Series 3 episode. Yes, I mean, we, we did we did choose this better episode, that is true. Uh, yeah, so Stephen Greenhorn sent in the pitch for what this episode would be. He said, I want to write an episode that changes the Doctor. I want to write mm. something where we give him an entirely new experience. And so they developed the idea of the Doctor 
getting a daughter. And it was only agree, somewhat yeah. later after that that um, Russell says to Benjamin Cook, uh, only recently I just realised that's the episode that we'd said that we'd also have Martha in it as well. We knew uh, that Freema was willing to come back for a couple of stories, not just the Sontaran one. Is it the same time as she's doing Torchwood as well? Is this sim- is this similar? Uh, yes, I think so. Yes, yes, it is the yes, it is the same year with the very very odd Owen Harper is dead storyline, which I love. I love Owen, but yeah, yeah very very weird. But it is structurally very strange. Owen is dead. Martha is old. So what there is in this story ends up being a big issue with the fact that Martha is brought into the story by being in the TARDIS at the end of the last one. And the script just doesn't Much really like seem to know Adric. what to do with her. Very similar to Adric in many respects. So many <laughs> respects, in fact. Yeah. Same number of syllables in their name. Those are the two similarities. <laughs> yeah. Both have an A in there. Yeah. Both and of no, them are, you know, quite clever. No L's or H's. <laughs> My name's Adric. No both both travelled with Dr. Gunn for a time. <laughs> but yeah, so back to the... On the Martha thing, though, there's there's a couple of scenes in this where we can sort of, I think, see the hints of a different story. When Martha is taken by the half, she has a sort of pretty cool one-liner, I'm, I'm Dr. Martha Jones, who the hell are you? And at the end, when she's saying goodbye to the Doctor, the Doctor says sort of goodbye, Dr. Jones, quite respectfully to her. And I think that these are sort of like the ghosts of a different version of this episode, which was... It's called in addition to all strategy. the other things going on about Sky, would be about of. Martha proving herself as sort of independent and able to able to handle things by herself that she's clearly sort of developed yes. from where she was. Well, to be fair, she was already she does she does do a bit of that in this episode. Yeah, she does, but it's very boring. Know, it feels like she's being shoehorned into it. We we just have yes. these sort of regularly scheduled segments of Martha standing around with the hat, Martha not in, really doing in much. Fish ER. Yeah, I'm sure there's a very, very good pun in there somewhere, and I'll be running through all, Shark Beat. Um, I'll be continuing to run through all hospital-based drama as will yeah, you. Yeah, thinking now. about Mash, but the M in Mash stands for Martha. Oh, uh, okay. We can work. I was trying to work out a Finn-related pun on uh, Shelby City. Yeah, why not? We can have Shelby City. There we go, City. and now we can move on with our lives. Um, I, I did put another slightly snarky comment in my notes that in some ways it's a is a fitting tribute to Martha's general experience of travel <laughs> in the TARDIS is that she's, she's left by herself to yeah. do to do do her own thing or story and when she reunites yeah. with the doctor he doesn't really seem to care very much about this. What's sad about Martha is that I think one of the reasons that Martha isn't maybe as remembered as other companions, I don't think she is, beyond the fact that obviously she was one series is the fact that Martha's character is, like, solid, right? Freema Egerman does an amazing yeah. job. But unlike unlike Rose, whose thing is she was the first one, and then pretty much all the others, in that they've all got a thing. You know, Donna's the gobby one, Amy Pond's the kind of yeah. weird one, Rory's the nerdy one who's married to Amy, and they've all got a thing. Clara's the best one. Clara's the horrible one. Except for Clara Series 7, who is the nothing companion. Clara's the best one, is that what you said? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, if Bill didn't exist, I'd agree. Bill is, Bill is the best. Okay, person. actually, yeah, I love Bill. But uh, b- basically, up to maybe the 30th Doctor, and even then, I would say Graham and Yaz have a little thing. And this doesn't actually say anything for character, because the best characters are multifaceted enough, you don't have this. But I think Martha's yeah. hook, the thing that you remember, is that Martha is a Doctor. Now, sadly, yeah. there's another prominent character in the show. 
who's the doctor. Yeah. And basically, you know, I forget when I think about Martha, I'm like, one of the things I'm like, oh yeah, the master is like legitimately a personal enemy of hers. I forget that. Yeah. That's like quite big. There aren't many. It's her and Joe Grant and maybe Tegan and Nyssa. And that's, I would say, pretty much the only characters in Doctor Who where the master is like a basically their enemy as well as the doctors. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. quite big, but actually it doesn't, you don't think about it. And I think this is one of yeah. the things with Martha. It, it's, I know what you mean. There is a, there she's is a, a bit sort vague of an issue with somehow. Martha, is that she's often a little bit absent from her own narrative. Yeah, and there's she's... Other th- there's always other things going on, and she often takes second fiddle which is in the annoying, story, which is a real shame. Because she's great, and Freema Egerman's great. Uh, she has... There's, there's there's four big finishes with Martha. There is a one-hour Torchwood, which is very, very good. And there's her series... Her spin-off, which is set during the year that never was. Yeah. Which, which is not... I, I, I don't think it's very good, actually, and I never say that about big uh, finish. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, blimey. it's not. You're gonna cut that. You're gonna have to cut that out of the episode. I, I might have to. Nick Briggs finds out. I'm gonna out. have to return my big He'll finish card. Communicate you. Yeah. This episode could have been the proving ground for Martha, independent, going alone. But as you say, she doesn't really get to do that because it's so. She basically is standing looking at stuff, and then she goes outside, and then her friend dies. Her fish friend. Yeah, she doesn't really have any actors to play. Yeah, off. and honestly, weirdly, the thing that I feel would have worked better. It's almost it's actually us, it's not giving her more independence. Obviously, you can just rewrite that bit. The thing that's interesting with Martha is her relationship with the doctor and how that might have changed. Yeah. So you pair her with the doctor so and you have Donna a, alone. Uh, yeah, I've I've been thinking it would have been interesting if Donna had been the one carrying yeah, off. Yeah, because then her. also Donna's making the numbers deductions. That's Donna's function in the in the in the yeah. plot, and that's fine. And then, and then that yeah. feels connected. Martha also gets to battle with maybe like you can add some medical ethics stuff in there regarding cloning. Martha now can that be she's like working with units, yeah. And Jenny can be like, "Oh, again, I'm learning from two types just, of soldiers." You're absolutely right, and it does sound like there's sort of again a sort of script, a sort of textual ghost of that there. Right at the end, when the Doctor and Martha are saying goodbye, Martha has a line along the along the lines of, uh, "Oh, for a moment there, I thought that you'd finally found something worth living for." Oh, and yeah, and he, ba- she barely meets that, Jenny. In that Martha has <laughs> been in the same room as a living Jenny for around two and a half minutes, has no idea what's going on for any of this, is taken away by the half before it becomes clear who Jenny is or what's Martha's going on. Martha's understanding of love around <laughs> the Doctor. Let's say she's not always made the best judgment there, so... Yeah. Understandable. But that being said, I just want to say a side note. It's very fun. It's a fun episode. <laughs> like, it's a good time. Oh, it absolutely you have is, have a good yeah. time watching it. Every single episode in Series 4, I think, is, yeah. has this it's such a hard real episode sen- sense of energy carrying it. Do you, do you think we'll do any other episodes from Series 4? Maybe maybe Unicorn on the Wasp, maybe. But besides that, I think like, maybe, oh, oh, Soul maybe Earth Journey's, Journey's End. end. It's still, if we, if we get really desperate, good. then the Sontaran ones, maybe. Yeah, because I think I, I, the, the Sontaran ones are a little bit sloppy. They but are even a little they're, bit they're unpopular. They're fine. But I think they're, yeah. I think they're really good. I think they're all right. They're better than the Dalek ones. There's some lines and plot points that, don't, that seem clever, but they don't quite work. So I've got some of these written down. Let me just find them in my notes. This one... I suppose the 5,000 Generations. Is the 5,000 Generations is not something I noticed. Okay, the first one, the Doctor says that he's both next to each other. Before it was peace in our time, now you're talking about genocide. 
One does yeah. tend to follow the other Doctor. You are aware of history and what peace in our time actually meant, right? It's yeah. a bizarre There's... statement because it doesn't work because that's not what peace in our time is. Yeah, it's a, it's an irritating thing where actually Cobb and Jenny are saying much more interesting things about war than the Doctor is. When there's the exchange between the Doctor and Jenny, if the Doctor says, oh, I want the fighting to stop, and Jenny says, yeah, so does every soldier. Yeah, that's, that's a cool, line. that's a really good line. Sort yeah. of gets ruined slightly by the fact that we know that Jenny is not in the right about this. Yeah, Jenny is not in the trailers for the rest of the series. So yeah. <laughs> that's one soldier that ain't going to see the war stop. Da, 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 da. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, she dies. Spoilers. Okay, there's another one, right? And this one. God, imagine if you made it this far into the podcast and didn't know that Jenny died. <laughs> did someone... slash didn't. Yeah, Georgia. Georgia is fine, but Jen, Jenny. Yeah, is Georgia's dead. all right. Actually, Georgia's gone to live on a nice farm in the country. Actually, I was say Jenny is dead. Jenny's not dead. Jenny comes back to life. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jenny's fine as well. They're all they're all fine. Everyone's fine, apart from Peck. <laughs> Apart from half even then, Peck. he's a fish. He's probably just Peck is probably just hanging out in the bog, being like, "That's really weird <laughs> that Martha left so suddenly." He's been down why there for she, six years. Why didn't she years. try and get me out? She knows that I'm a fish, right? The terraformer brings Peck back to life as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a separate, um, like the doctor's daughter's not friend. She never doctor, actually met him. The doctor's but he was daughter's near her. compatriots fish. Yeah, separate spin-off, entirely mime-based. It's a, it's a Big Finish box set, but it's it's not it's not well suited to Big Finish. Sylvester McCoy once suggested he'd like to do a silent movie episode, and I would love to see them try. Now, there's another line that I really think Stephen Greenhorn thought was really clever, but this yeah. doesn't work. It's straight after that one, where the Doctor's telling Cobb he's not going to let him go kill all the half, and he says, look up genocide in the dictionary, You'll see a little picture of me there with a caption reading over my dead body. Right. Okay. So first of all, Doctor, <laughs> there might be a picture of you in the, di- in the dictionary on the genocide. Yes. However, it won't but have a caption of, of oh, over my dead body. It'll have a caption that says he did loads. The Doctor has <laughs> this done guy loads of genocides. That's one of the things we talk about is that sadly, like it, like it, <laughs> I'm quite dead. The Doctor occasionally does a kind of space genocide. And the show, except for the Time War, doesn't always really acknowledge that. If the Master had been in this scene, the Master or Missy, that definitely would have been like, uh, wouldn't have been the only thing that yeah. caption said. So I just think the line doesn't quite, also doesn't make sense. Why yeah. would there be a little picture of him warning think, you off in the? <laughs> I think that a, a bigger reason why that doesn't make sense is because the dictionaries don't have pictures. Yeah, they, them. yeah, thank you. And because and because it's a children's doing, dictionary, what Tom. he's saying it isn't a phrase. Look this up in the dictionary. You'll see a picture of me there, and the caption will say that. That's not. It's not like a saying. Um, okay, so other things don't quite make sense. The maps being linked. Why yeah. time lords having a shared suffering? Yeah, that there's a there's a bigger that's, issue there that doesn't we'll make any sense because doesn't. also they became massive genocidal maniacs, which is something you Russell has already addressed and will address even more strongly in about six episodes' time. So. That's weird. And also, the, again, it's this Time Lord fetishism. That is the word, except it's not because I pronounced it wrong. Yeah. But there's Time Lord fetishism. There we go. That's correctly pronounced. That Russell's, yeah, the, the tenant era kind of has early on, even though it's there's still that underlying current of, hey, it seems like they did bad stuff. And then very takes that massive heel turn at the end of time. The Time Lords were crap in the original series. It's not like... Yeah. They, they were always bellends. I mentioned Elizabeth Sandifer in basically every episode of yeah, this yeah, yeah. because 
because she writes amazingly on all of this stuff. And her essay on The Doctor's Daughter is a really fascinating one and makes a really incisive criticism, I think, which is uh, the final line. At the end of the day, even if you'd matched the sci-fi premise to the emotional premise, even if you'd got rid of the dumb pseudo-moralising, even if you'd fixed every other problem with the story, you'd still end up with a story that thinks that the most interesting thing about fatherhood is angst about being the last of your kind. And I think that's... I think this hand is really on the money Yeah, there. it's true. <laughs> the issue here is just that... A story called The Doctor's Daughter, yes, where, I agree where Stephen that. Greenhorn says, I want to write a story that changes The Doctor, Doesn't. just goes back to the same old well of I'm the last of the Time Lords. And do you know what, actually? Again and again. That is not... I honestly don't think that is a massive change, because here's what you do. Obviously, you can just add loads more stuff about The Doctor having a daughter, but here, here's what you do instead. You make it more about, by the end, the times The Doctor is going to have with Jenny. And then you cut that yeah. away. You don't he's, even he's need to actually of, give them the time. You make him episode. looking forward to the future. Yeah, and then take it away, rather than just being like, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not alone." And then in you the universe probably need anymore. to add like what two just scenes? A change of emphasis in a way. Yeah, and you just t- like you only need like one or two scenes. You don't. Whereas obviously, if you yeah. if you want to change it and make it more about fatherhood, that's a bigger rewrite. But yes, totally right. Yeah. Um, can I have one more yeah. of my little weird lines? Doesn't quite work. Oh yeah, go for it. Jenny asks what Time Lords were for, and the Doctor says they weren't for I'm literally anything. looking at that bit in my notes right now. <laughs> they literally Lords, were. They, for, exactly? they literally were yeah. for something. That's exactly their point. Yeah. That's why they're called Time Lords. Time Lords. What not... are they for exactly? Uh, well, they're for, originally they're for resolving the plot of the war games, but then it got a bit <laughs> out of hand. You know what? It is, it is a better examination of war than the Doctor's Daughter. I will I'll certainly give it that. Yeah. I only have one more thing that I would do to improve it. You know, a lot of our vague improvements are. Right, right, a bit more focused, mate. But do you want to hear my one more that I have? Yeah, go for it. I'm not one for masses of violence, but it is an mm-hmm. incredibly bloodless episode that's about it war is. You're and absolutely its right. Actually, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but you're completely right. It, it needs more violence. For an I'm sorry, it's supposed to be in a generations-long war. Yeah, you need we to don't see really see bodies. anyone dying. Apart you need from to Jenny. see people die. You need less stormtrooper syndrome of them like shooting again. Not usually a criticism I usually have for stuff because it's plot armor and it has to exist. Yeah, but when there's no other but real yeah, violence, exactly. this, it sort of it almost feels like like they're just doing laser tag. Yeah, I mean there, no, there are points at which. This is like Alice Troughton's direction does an awful lot to disguise well. the fact that this is people running around a laser tag maze shooting guns. This, as you said, this war's been going on for generations. In this episode, one half and two people die. And so the one is half this the doesn't least... die for war reasons. They die because for drowning reasons. He dies because of Martha. He dies because Martha yeah. kills him. Yeah. It's really... Is this the most bloodless day of the war? Presumably not. So I don't... is there more war going on somewhere else? Doesn't seem like it. So this is, again, it's just a script editing problem. It also has a ratings problem. You cannot yeah. have it be too violent. That's fine. The amount of blood on Jenny, I remember, I actually knew about this phase ago, is like the tiniest possible speck they could have. In fact, I think yeah. it was more blood. I think there was actually more blood, and they made, it, they made them cut it, actually. Yeah, th- I mean, those are, those are my criticisms on how to improve the episode. Do you have any more before yeah. we go on to like, the, the other people's ones? The, the week-long war problems we've already discussed the other thing uh, another minor thing i was going to say is that just i think the dialogue needs to be sharpened up a bit and particularly the doctor's dialogue in a lot in a lot of the first half of this is just very odd and what it reminded me of is um so i'm, a, I'm an academic for uh those of you who haven't listened to this and i'm a recovering academic 
Yeah, um, but I've been marking quite a lot of undergrad essays recently, oh, I know, I and uh, there there is a bit of a there's a bit of a tendency that some of them have naming no names because also because yeah, they're no, yeah you know that's GDPR, mate. Yeah, I don't know who they are, but there, there's a tendency to sort of use needlessly long words to try and sound clever, or to pad out the length for the essay. Students have been doing, and the doctor feels like he's doing that in the first half of the episode, <laughs> where when he particularly when he's arguing with Donna, he goes into just use big long sciencey sounding words. I, I think the biggest culprit of this is generated anomaly, which is not a phrase that anyone would ever say. It doesn't make sense and has clearly only been put in there so that you can get Jenny out of it. It's not even needed because um, it's already which, generation. Yeah, there, there are a lot of ways that you could have done that. The Doctor's weird argument about why he's not a monkey doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. Tom, can I interrupt you here? Because I've just thought yeah. of a better way of doing Jenny, of doing Jenny's name. Yeah. Right, okay, so yeah. Jenny's a chip off the old block from the Doctor. Yeah. Jenny from the block, mm-hmm. which is like a... I can't remember who... don't know who Jenny from the block is, but it's like a... <laughs> That's I have like no re- idea what that that's means, a reference but I'm, to I'm something. happy that you're happy. I'm going to find out what that's a reference <laughs> to. That is, honestly, yeah. Jenny from the Block. Jenny from the Block is a song by Jennifer Lopez. About, presumably about okay. herself. So like, it was that's... out in 2008. 2002, yeah. yes. That so it very... would be a reference yeah. that they could well, have made. That would be an incredibly Russell thing to do. That yeah, actually, that's... Do that, so. Wow, I... Yeah. Why, why am I you're not being You're more Russell than Russell. So the only other bit of criticism that I had... Um, I was to my notes. It was a pretty small one. Yeah, it was some, something else that I wanted to be sharpened a little bit here, which is that so many of... And it's more of a fix, actually, if anything, to some of the issues we've identified, which is the fact that the question, the moral and philosophical bit between the Doctor and Jenny of, oh, are you really my daughter? Is it really all right to be violent or whatever? If we could just make that a little bit clearer that what the Doctor's dealing with here is a sort of self-loathing thing that he's projecting outwards because i don't think that really is made clear but if sometimes jenny can actually make good points rather than making quite bad points that the doctor inexplicably doesn't reply to (laughs) there's a lot of this episode that's for fish for an episode with fish in it quite surface level (laughs) and it just needs it needs that deeper dive don't laugh at that yeah it needs it needs more room to breathe yeah (laughs) just like half pecked it and obviously Jenny's character will later get expanded on in Big Finnish. Nice. I'm going to move us on to quickly a couple some of the criticisms I read online. Before yep. I start, I should say this episode is 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb. So it's overall, so it's pretty well regarded. Or it's pretty, it's sort of fine. But it is also quite near the bottom of the 10th Doctor poll. Also true. So one of the big criticisms I saw a lot of in various reviews is that there's just so much corridors and running. And that's true. And it is very yeah. classic Doctor I Who. Mean, and to a degree... It's hard to deny that that's the case. It's budgetary, right? It is It is budgetary. Yeah. But ultimately, and more money is sometimes going to be the answer. I quite like the idea. The thing is, there's no reason. I know they say, oh, well, why is... The, 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 the bit they're living in is like a ruined theatre. Like, oh, it's not ruined. It's just yeah. not got anyone living there yet. No, no, it is ruined. The paint is peeling from the walls. Yeah. But what if the robots started malfunctioning early? Also, where are the robots? Same in seven days. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. The robots malfunctioned, <laughs> and they just built a load of almost like random stuff. So, like, the half are living in, like, something that looks like a medieval castle, right? And then what you do is you just get yeah. loads of really cheap locations that look totally different and explain why they're connected together. And that'll be more interesting. Yeah. So there's one. 
it'll be giving things more visual distinctiveness definitely yeah because yeah, i think it's a fair quiz so i actually have written here why isn't the half zone more moist fair enough the other one I have is that it was too similar to the Sontaran episodes right before it because it involves cloning and the military. I think that's quite a surface level criticism. On the one hand, it's quite superficial because neither of them are about cloning and the military in the same way as one another. On the other hand, it is kind of weird that those two stories are stuck next to each other. Well, it is, especially considering that Lazarus' experiment is about retooling evolution. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. it follows evolution of the Daleks. I mean, were, were Stephen Greenhorn and Helen Rayner just sort of I... working in the same cafe the whole time when they were <laughs> typing their things up? Ooh, and... They're just like neighbours or something, <laughs> flatmates. Neighbours. Everybody's fond of neighbours. Um, I think that that's probably true. I also think that this criticism is surface level, like I said. But beyond the scheduling change, one thing I would say is that the Sontaran ones that's like a self-perpetuating conflict, right? The point of that Sontaran's fight is that they like fighting, yeah. right? It's not... They don't fight yeah. the Rutans really to beat the Rutans. If Sontarans beat the Rutans, they're just going to find someone else to fight. They find someone else to fight, yeah. What's interesting about this is, this could have been almost a mirror to that. This is not war for war's sake. This is, as said multiple times, this is sort of a more traditional war. This is a war for peace. And that could yeah. actually hold it's a, a mirror up to the over territory for a particular... Yeah, yeah. It could have been like a chamber piece to the Sontaran stratagem, Poison Sky, if done deliberately. But as I think we've kind of alluded to, a lot of this episode doesn't feel like it's been done deliberately. Yeah, absolutely. That is my other big criticism from another source. Before I give you my last little, little thing that I found, do you have any more? The other criticism from another source I saw was, um, again, somebody that I've uh, mentioned a few times in these, which is the reviews that John Elledge has done. He talks a bit about this and the Lazarus experiment overall as just a, a broader identifying a broader issue that Stephen Greenhorn seems to have where he has he writes things that seem like on the surface level like they're philosophical debates about something, but aren't really a debate. They're just the writer just beating you over the head again and again with what he believes the solution to this debate to be. How how would you fix that? I think there's something in that. I think there, there definitely is in Lazarus' experiment, which wants to be about ageing and youth and immortality, and really isn't. It's just about, it's about a scorpions. big scorpion. <laughs> yeah. This one, there is more there, I think. But on the other hand, I do agree with John Elledge's broader point that that in the question of, oh, is is the Doctor really Jenny's father? Is there really some relationship between them there? Stephen Greenhorn has already decided... Yes, yes, there is. And so just pr- sort of prevents the Doctor by authorial fiat from really I saying think anything intelligent. For the soldiery thing, what Stephen Greenhorn has here is a one-level mind map in that he's got the circle of soldier yeah. and he's got loads yeah. and loads of points coming off that with interesting lines, interesting ideas, but rarely do any yeah. of those ideas then link to any further points. Um, I think Stephen Greenhorn could clearly deliver a solid script enough. Yeah. But I feel and like... I mean, we, we, again, it sounds like we're damning him with fake praise, but it's it's not, because writing a script for television is, is very, is very very difficult. I loved this episode at the time. There ain't yeah, no doubt I, about I that. I liked it. I found it fun. So those are the kind of criticisms that we read. And I think it's fair to say, to a degree, they are founded. But... Yeah, I think so. You know, it's... I, th- I don't think this is an episode that people are being unreasonable no, about. No, but this is also not an episode. It's to an episode a... that doesn't 
quite do what it wants. It's not to an do, episode to be ashamed it of. Doesn't have like no. It, it's, 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 solid. it's not aiming tremendously high. It's, it's not fun. experimental. It's not taking any risks. And do you for know better what? For worse. Never like the criticism that oh, well, it's all the actor. It's not all the actor. The writer has to give them something. It, it, Stephen yeah, Greenhall and Georgia Tennant Moffat created Jenny as a character. And Jenny has appeared very successfully in some big finish. Uh, and also she's fun in the comic that she's in. You get the feeling you would actually be her friend. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Now, do you want to hear my last two little bits before we wrap this up? Because these are quite good. Yeah, one, go One IMDb review I found repeatedly, repeatedly in the same short uh, review questioned why the soldiers put the doctor's hand in the machine does make me feel like they might have missed just that one line at the start i've spent the entire rest of the episode like yeah why did they put why did that woman come out of the machine why did they put their hand <laughs> in the machine that is not a valid a valid yeah, criticism. I don't know if that's, a, that's not a plot hole that's no. that's the sort of the inciting incident yeah. of the plot. we need it oh we could clone a whole platoon from you i was like why can't they do that to any of you i'm guessing yeah. it's because it, the more you clone this would have been cool the more you clone from them the le- more degraded they get so they're reaching the limit of yeah cloning which is like a really fast yeah, intense war kind of, actually yeah the idea that the war is sort of Already, that maybe, i could justify why the war seems to be such a small scale thing with just a yeah. tiny number of people in a theater that they're they're coming to the end of their resources. That's a cool idea. We did a cool idea. Yeah. We did a cool idea in the last five minutes of this. <laughs> yeah, ish. Yep. So the other thing is that I went and I found Lizo Mazimba's review. I think that's how I pronounce his name. Who's a big like BBC film and TV journalist, right? And yeah, he so he had his review, which I'm not actually going to touch on anything in it. It was on Newsround, right? Because he was a big Newsround person. Oh yeah. And turns out yeah, Newsround yeah, yeah. used to collect reviews from kids. So I've got huh. a load of reviews from some kids from 2008. And I'm going to read my favourites because some of them are really funny. Um, a lot of them... I like this one from Seb Diesvid from Gloucestershire. This episode was good, but mm-hmm. the worst so far. Yep. I like that one. Yeah, this is... A review from a 13-year-old called Farah in Coventry. I thought it was really good, but I think it was rather rushed. They had to fit it all in 45 minutes. In my opinion, they should have made two parts. Overall, I thought it was quite all right. That seems way too mature for a 13-year-old. I don't know. I don't know. I work with 10-year-olds at the primary school, and that, yeah, I, that does sound entirely it's the, plausible. It's the rather and rushed... It also, rather rushed. No, that's odd way of uh, Farah it. from Coventry. If you're listening to this these days... <laughs> I generally agree with most of your criticisms and you were very honest as a 13-year-old. However, I must sadly diagnose you with having fan brain when you try and make it a two-parter. If these were all actual children, it'd be a bit, it'd be a bit weird, but these people are all older than us. Right? So Farrah from Coventry yeah. was 13 when this review came out. That's 2008. So yeah, we were 10. she's now 29? Yeah. Uh, so these people are all our, our seniors. These people are all old, is what yeah. I'm saying. So we're punching up, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, someone had to. I wonder Take if any of them remember commentary. writing these yeah, reviews. Yeah. I'd be fascinated if I meet anyone that their review got posted. Here's another person. And to be fair, this person might be relatively easy to track down because their name is Sunflower. I think the episode was great and something tells me she might come 
back in maybe the last few episodes of the series. You, Sorry, well, Sunflower. You think, wouldn't you? You would, wouldn't yeah, look, you? Sunflower, you're, you're right. You're right. That would have also, made far more sense than us. Sorry, never Sunflower, you're again. wrong. Also, get back to standing in a field and slowly rotating towards the sun. Stop watching Doctor Who. I, I hope that they. I hope they liked Vincent and the Doctor. <laughs> I think they'll probably stop watching it by then. Okay, I've got one from Ethan, age nine, so I think he would have been my age. Doctor yep. Who needs to put more characters in the series, but other than that, it is really good. Maybe this Christmas the Doctor could regenerate again. <laughs> It's such a weird review <laughs> of the Doctor's daughter. E- Ethan, the, Ethan, the problem with this one was that there were too many characters. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Ethan. Our peer. We can't, we can't have too much of a go at Ethan. He's yeah, our peer. We can't, we can't be too mean to Ethan. He's our peer. You're right. Right. This on, one is... One last one. This one's a bit dark. There's two more. Polly. I thought this episode was okay, but I think I should have been able to emotionally connect to it. There's something <laughs> deeper going on there. You know, no, fair play. I'm with you, Holly. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I feel like there's something deeper and sadder going on with Polly there. Maybe it was uh, actually Polly. Um, I lie, by the way. Actually, I, I actually have two more now. So this is from Bob, who's age nine. I wish Jenny had died because either the BBC will bring her back in another Doctor Who, which is good, or they will make another CBBC spin-off starring her, which won't be very good. Perhaps she could join Torchwood. Or the ah, Bob. There's the secret third option. Big of, finish. Which we'll never see her again, and she'll turn up a big finish in ten years' time. <laughs> never see her again. It's the secret third option, like our secret third member. The suggestion yeah. from this nine-year-old boy that perhaps she could join Torchwood means that he he's watching Torchwood at age nine, or at least is aware of it. I think he must yeah, be. Yeah, that's not because right Journey's End's not happened yet. I was watching Torchwood at that age, and I can tell you, I learned things I shouldn't have learned. Uh, the final yeah. one is from a nine-year-old in Wells. I think this one was quite sad and happy, but at least it had a happy ending. It was very sad when Martha and one of the half went onto the surface, and Martha falls down into a pit and starts sinking, and the half jumps in to save her, and then he sinks and Martha cries. One, that is all one long sentence. Two... She would. She seems to have a real bias for characters called Martha, yeah. which is understandable because that is her name. She is called Martha, and I like <laughs> the idea enough. that Martha is writing under a pen name. Be like, it was really sad when my friend Peck died, but she's decided <laughs> not change her name. She's just changed the age of where she's from. And anyway, yeah. that is the other thing. I feel no one. I've never heard from other Doctor Who fan circles people talking about the reviews from. That, like if anyone had written a review when they were a kid and yeah, it got posted. Yeah, you're right. I've never, I've I've never, never heard, heard of this. So this is something... Well. Definitely check that out. I'm going to make a guess. Because this, this website, right, is old, right? This is the old Newsround website. So I'm going to make yeah. a guess that maybe these reviews won't exist now for any other episodes after these. Like, I don't know if they will still exist. Considering that the most recent Doctor Who-related things are interview, who is Matt Smith? Watch clips, the 10th Doctor yeah, Regenerate. these things came to an end. I suspect The Beast then. Below might not make it into this, which is sad because there won't be any more of these reviews and we've missed the others. Well, with that, yeah, so David has inadvertently revealed what our next episode will be. Did I? Um, as we turn... Oh, it yeah. literally just said its name just I wasn't now. paying attention to yeah. what I was saying. <laughs> Sorry, I've just yeah. noticed there's a link to another so, story from this we... review, Tom, and it's cat survives after getting arrow no. in its head. 
Sorry. That is, that, I mean, I want, I, I want to know about that so badly, but it's 11 o'clock at night now and I have work tomorrow. That's the link for this review of, of Doctor Who. Look, just, just, say, just, just email it to me. I'm, well, I'm not talking about it. I'm not going on it. Go on, Tom. Introduce the next episode. Uh, next time on Always Foolish, we'll be turning our attention to Series 5. We'll be looking at our first Matt Smith episode. Yeah. And the one that we're going to look at is an interesting one by the standards of this podcast. We're going to be looking at The Beast Below. And I'm very excited to talk about this yeah. one because, in general, we try to do the less popular episodes. Yeah, yeah. And I think The Beast Below is not it's too not, unpopular. It's not super it high tier. However, it, do, it does have one high-profile yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, vocal opponent of it, and that is a certain gentleman called Stephen Moffat, the author of The Beast Below. As ever, if you enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a good rating on wherever you've you got your, your podcast. Podcasts. Please write in to us. Uh, please, please contact us on any social media form you wish. Follow us on Instagram. I check Instagram a fair amount. Uh, follow us on TikTok. I post highlights. I think that's all from us. Thank you very much for listening, and see you next time. Bye! Bye.